Welcome to People's Church Podcast. What's the one thing most worth waiting for for you? What is it? Is it that sip of coffee in the morning? What is that thing? What is the only thing worth waiting for? What are we waiting for, as Brent talked earlier? Are you waiting for the next thing? What is the next thing? The Christian life itself is all about waiting. Waiting has always been part of the Christian life. Whether you lived 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked on the earth, or whether you lived in the New Testament church, or whether you lived in the church down through the ages. Waiting has always been one of the defining factors of our faith journey. We don't like to wait. How many have enjoyed driving in Grand Prairie this summer? (laughs) It involved a whole lot of waiting, right? And I live in Claremont. They've rebuilt that highway. There's a lot of waiting. I don't like waiting for traffic. Paul in his letter to the Philippians addresses the waiting factor strongly in Philippians 3.20. I'm going to read it for you. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. We now await a savior. We are the citizens of heaven already. Doesn't say we will become the citizens of heaven. Doesn't think we we don't have to jump through a whole lot of hoops to become the citizens of heaven. That we we await uh, await for a savior. We look for a savior. That's what it says in one of the old versions. We look for a savior. We are now waiting for a savior because we are citizens of heaven. But I want to ask you, how should we wait for Jesus Christ? We should wait like citizens of heaven. That's our starting point. That's not our ending point. It's not when we get there we'll be citizens of heaven, but we are citizens of heaven now because we've received him as our savior. We surrendered our lives to him. He paid the sacrifice for us. And he's become our Lord. He's become our CEO. He's become our king. And that's the good news. Nobody else is Lord. And our identity is in eternity. And our home is in heaven. The scripture says followers or believers ought to live in a different manner than those around them. 
those around them who have not yet believed or have, re or have out and out rejected his message. This waiting defines us. It must. It has to define us. Because it's an out of the world thing. Out of the universe. But it is definitely the, one of the elements, one of the most important elements to our reality of living, to our existence. Very important, and it's very important to get this. The, uh, the scripture leading up to Philippians 3, 20, 21 says, they think only about life on this earth. That's verse 19. But we are citizens of heaven. To think about this existence only, as Paul said, is tr trouble with a capital T. You see, if we dwell only there, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to ruin us. We are not to be consumed. That means devoured. We are not to be controlled. That means restrained. We are not to be compelled. That means pressured. And we're not to be attached. That means having affection or becoming focused on this world. Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 1 and chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, his mercy is there for you and I to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true, proper worship. And do not conform. Now that conform, that goes up where, there with consumed, controlled, compelled, and attached. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Quit telling yourself something else. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Where are we conformed? It says right here, in our minds. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's where it all starts. That's where the pattern changes. It's a lie if you believe that pattern. You have that pattern coming in to your, to your mind because we are citizens of heaven. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. That's right here, right now. God's will isn't just, you know, we're going to get over to heaven there and we'll be citizens there and that'll be God's will. It is God, God's will coming up for you if you believe on Christ. But it isn't God's will now. We're here. We're occupying this place. And his will for us is here and we seek it and it's good and it's pleasing and it's perfect will. Where he has you now, you might think that's not perfect. It's far from perfect. Well, perfect doesn't mean perfect. It means he's perfect and you can live with him and go through whatever you're going through this morning. You see, what isn't perfect is the wisdom and the culture and the character and the characteristics of this world. That's not perfect. You see, but if we go back here, our first act of faith is to offer our bodies. 
It doesn't say offer, it doesn't even say off your minds because our mind is contained in our bodies. The mind is the software. Our brain is the hardware. And so change up the software. This word conformed means do not conform to the world or this age. It's not talking about being conformed to the globe. That doesn't make sense. Do not be conformed to this age, to this culture, to this society. So that's in the other list. Do not be conformed. But in our list, what we want to com- is to be transformed. Conformed, not uh, transformed, not conformed. Change your pattern of thinking. Maybe it's the social media. Maybe that's changing your thinking. Maybe that's rattling you to the bones. Because there's not a lot of good news on there. The good news is in the Word of God. It's in talking to your brothers and sisters in Christ. (laughs) I remember... When I was a kid, my mom used to darn socks. Oh, those darn socks. No, that's not what I mean. Those darn, that darn cat. No. (coughs) (coughs) The smoke is getting to me. It means mend. And so that's like the pattern, right? And we get it in our minds like it's like a, a, a darn, a darn, to darn a sock, right? And this, you're going in through life and it, it catches your sweater. And you say, well, that's hopeless. I'll throw that sweater in the, uh, you know, the bin for a mission thrift store or something. No, you can, you can fix it. You can fix it first and then give it to them. By darning it, by mending it. And that's what we need. We need our minds. We need to let go of that stuff that we get caught up in that compromises us. Whatever it is. And let our mind be mended by God's word. By his hope that is in there. You know the word transformed, it means, it's a, the modern word for that is be morphed, right? Heard about uh, being morphed, they do that in all the CGI or whatever, the movies. You're watching those fantastic people that are supposed to be heroes or whatever they are. We're formed, we're transformed. That's a, here's a really neat citizenship, citizenship in heaven statement. It's in Colossians 3.1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Do you understand that? At the right hand of God. That's a place of power. He's given it all to Jesus. And Jesus is sitting on the throne. Do you believe that? In your dilemma, in your troubles... In your depression, in your self-loathing. Parents, in your parenting, in business people, in your business. 
Come forth and look up. Broken relationships, struggling in your life, the struggles you go through, the addiction. Have you considered how God may be using difficult times in your life to reveal and further his purposes? No, oh, the devil's out to get me. Yeah, he is. But God uses those things that we struggle with to help us grow, to change our hearts, to mend our minds. There was this pastor of, the church, of a church, and at his church, this man continually came up to the front at the end of the service and rededicated his life, and, but he always prayed the same prayer. Here it was. Lord, take the cobwebs out of my life. Oh, Lord, please take the cobwebs out of my life. He'd come up, come up there week after week, and the pastor heard the prayer more times than he cared to remember. We pastors are patient, but this guy was no, more, no, no longer patient, I guess. He was tired of hearing it. And finally, when the man uttered the prayer, take the cobwebs out of my life, Lord. The, he responded with, in fact, he yelled, oh, Lord, don't take the cobwebs out of, out of his mind. Just kill the spider. Kill the spider. What we need to do, some of us, is to kill that spider. It's been wandering around there. I can't stand spiders. Oh, I hate spiders. They're all over the house, not in the house, but outside the house. And I go to war against those things in the summer. Uh, they kept living even though the smoke was there. You know, real killing, really killing the spider changes our life. Now, there's three mindsets that I want to leave with you this morning that define a citizen waiting to go to their real home. What are you or what are we waiting for? We're waiting for, are, we, are you waiting for a renewed mind or are you going to give that mind to Jesus? But Paul says here in Philippians 3, 12 to 14, I don't mean to say that I already have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. Some of us are thinking, well, what's the use? You haven't yet reached perfection. But I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus possessed me. He possessed you for a reason. He possessed you to be a child of God. Whether you think it or not, in his eyes, you are perfect. You're not perfect in your eyes. You're not perfect in other people's eyes, but you are perfect in his eyes, so you press on to possess that perfection. We keep on coming to him every day. Keep on coming to him every hour. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it 
But focus on this one thing. Focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press to reach the end of the race. He likens this whole deal down here that we're living in is a race. And receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus Christ is calling us. It's not a competition. He's not talking about a, that type of race that is a competition. He's talking about that kind of race that you're just reaching and you're just grasping for the goal line or for the end, the, the finish, finish line. And then he goes and then he talks a little bit more about that. Um, verse 17. Do you have it? Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. It's pattern your lives after mine, he says. Paul says that. And then he goes on further down the page. He says, but we are citizens of heaven where we we're really concentrating on this morning. You don't, you know, we don't do this stuff to become a citizen of heaven here. We already are a citizen of heaven. I remind you once again, but, but to possess what is already in your possession. So many Christians, we don't grab on to what already is in our possession. He's given it to you by, by and through his blood, by the work of his Holy Spirit in your life, and we need to grasp onto it. We need to possess it, and we need to reach for it. And what Paul says, no, they think about life here on earth. That's, that's really, you know, the pattern of our culture, of our society. And that's a it's a dangerous culture. It's a dangerous society because they have no hope. The hope is Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul says some more things about this. But one thing Jesus said to Peter, just if you remember that story, he's talking to Peter, and Peter, he's telling Peter that, okay, Peter, you're the rock. He says, uh, I say to you, Peter, you are the rock. Peter means rock changed his name, and upon this rock I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now look at that word conquer. You know, it will not conquer us, but there's an, another uh, aspect to that conquer that's not seen in this word, but in the original word the Bible was written in Greek. It's about prevailing. I might say that in the Bible you have. Prevailing. What is prevailing? Uh, it means we press on. It means the, the light puts out the darkness. We're to be strong to the other, other's detriment. Superior strike. It means overcomer. It means strong against. It means overpower. It's not just con not not them conquering us, but us out there conquering 
the spirit of this world. So the first mindset is to press on. Do that. Press on in whatever you're facing. You, there's probably hundreds of things here this morning that you guys are facing. Every one of us face some things. And it's, so it's not hold the fort mentality. I'm going to draw back. I'm going to isolate myself. I'm going to sit back here and just kind of wait for the world to go by. And someday I'm going to get to heaven. But here it is. Here's the second one. But it's an, an expectancy. Paul writes in telling his fellow Christians in Philippi, this church that he founded, that he loved those people, and they supported him. And by the way, he was in prison at this time. So if he, he's pressing on, uh, I don't know if they had bars in prison back then. One of the prisons that Paul was in was literally a pit in the ground. Sometimes he was in a house and he had a chain around his leg. I don't know which one it was, but he was bound up. He was in prison. And he, he says here to his loving people back in Philippi, and, and of course the other churches read it too, all around the Mediterranean there. He says to wait expectantly. And he refers to, ladies, if you're a mom or going to be one, he refers to a pregnancy here. It's in Romans. Paul writing again. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth. Together until now. That means when he's writing. It's going on in present day. Of course it was. Roman Empire dominance. All sorts of rotten stuff going on. Terrible things. Terrible, terrible things. And, and creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth. It's like that. Have you noticed? Really? We have, haven't we? And not only that, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting eagerly. We eagerly anticipate something's happening. Something's going to happen. For in hope we have been saved. If you've given your heart to Christ, you've been saved in hope. You're not chicken little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, Run, running around, the sky is falling. You have been saved in hope, and you have the word of hope to share with your neighbor. For our adoption as sons and daughters and the redemption of our body, we are saved in hope. But hope that is seen is not hope, for hope, for who hopes for what he already sees. So we don't see it all. We don't, we, we're citizens of heaven, but we don't see us having that citizenship quite yet. Yet we live. He asks us to live like citizens of heaven. We wait eagerly. We anticipate. Now, this idea of eagerly, we kind of sometimes miss this, mess this word up because we think that eagerly has something to do with being, you know, one of, the, one of those people that's an extrovert or something. I'm, a, I'm not an extrovert. I'm, a not, I'm an introvert. 
At least half the people in the world are introverts. And you know what, extroverts? You need us, introverts. You really do. You may not think, but you do. But here's the deal with this word eagerly. It's not really the, anything to do with extrovert or introvert. It has to do with patiently, completely, comprehensively, and thoroughly anticipate this. That means we take it into our heart. We take it into our mind. We, of course, come before the Lord in, in our prayers and in our praises and our thanksgivings. Because, but if we hope for what we do not see through perseverance, we wait through, we do not see through perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. We press on, we possess, we reach for it. And the third mindset. I gotta have a drink, sorry. The third mindset is soon. I put down this thing, soon and very soon. 1978. How many know or remember Andre Crouch? Anybody? Nobody. Yes. All right. Maybe, anyway, that was a song in my early uh, days of being a Christian. Soon and very soon we are going to see the king. What am I talking about? I'm talking about our perspective. It says, but let me say this, brothers and sisters, the time that remains is very short. You know, soon to you might be dinner you know, tonight at five o'clock. It may be an appointment with someone tomorrow. It may be a deadline at work or, you know, it may be, if you're a farmer here, it may be soon I'm going to get out in that field. I'm going to combine my harvest. Romans 13, 11 says, this is all the more urgent for you. Know how late it is. The time is running out. Wake up for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Now, this November, I'll be celebrating my 50th anniversary of knowing Jesus, coming to know Jesus as a teenager. I'm just going to say that, teenager, young teenager, <laughs> 19. Uh, you see, back then, the, the, the war in the Middle East had taken place, the war against Israel in the 60s, and everybody, I'm a young Christian, everybody's saying, Jesus is coming back, and it'll be within 40 years, so the target date was 1988, didn't happen, obviously. But my point is this, it is still soon. We don't know how long. We don't know how short. We don't know what the, the, what the waiting time is going to be. But from our perspective, our point of view, he will come in God's time and he will transform us to be like himself. Now, I've been around people that have said, use this very sarcastically and not Christians necessarily, said, well, 
That's slower than the second coming of, you know the saying, you've maybe heard it. It's sarcastic, it's not really very nice. But the real perspective is this, get this, get this. It will certainly come soon when compared to the length of eternity that we're waiting for. You know, we're just a, we're just a flutter of our eye. Your life, my life, compared to eternity. So waiting for eternity, 2,000 years it's been for the church, is not a long time. That's why it says soon. I didn't get that when I was a young Christian. I, you know, jumped on the, you know, I'm, I'm okay, we're going to go here right away. Didn't happen. I'm not a young teenager anymore. My grandchildren are getting close to being teenagers, nine and seven. Well, I guess that's not that close, but it's, it's close the way the years go by. So we look for the day when we are taken into the presence of Jesus, our Savior, and it's going to be soon. Taken there forever. Until then, know that this world has has nothing to offer. This society, this mindset of our world, it's not an option. Oh, it's an option. Here's A, here's B, I'll take B. To take that mindset, to settle, you, to settle for it, and that's what you would be doing, and to become more excited about the present day than the not yet, very soon. Rather say and pray this. Let it be your statement of life. Psalm 135 and 6 says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than a watchman for the morning. And he says it again. More than a watchman for the morning. Is that a stuck record? You don't know that term. Is there a glitch in the MP3? No. You see, what he's trying to emphasize here is that these guys are guards. And they're watching and they're waiting and they're waiting in darkness. And they're waiting for, and they're guarding their cities in anticipation of the morning, of the daylight. That's what we are. We're watchmen or watch women or watch... Teenagers or whatever your age is and you love Jesus and you're waiting for him, you are guarding. Charles Spurgeon, great preacher of 1850-something, you know, I think, well, he's a guy, you know, he had probably, he had like the, the uh, super church. And 5,000 people come out to his midweek meetings. Can you imagine? And, and I don't, did they have microphones then? I would be in trouble. I'd be in real trouble this morning. I'd be coughing and hacking up here because I'm forcing my voice. Hmm. He says this anyway. To come to thee is to come home from exile. To come to land, uh, to come to land out of the raging storm. To come to rest after long labor. To come to the goal of my desires and the summit of my wishes.
2 Corinthians 4.18 says, so we fix our eyes not, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. It's by faith. We can do it because Jesus has put that, the seed of himself in us. For what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Now there's three questions I want to leave you with this morning and then we're going to pray. How is God calling me to think differently from being conformed to transformed? How is God changing what I love? We're talking about supremely love. The old word was affections in the old English. How is he changing my affections, what I love? And what is God asking me to do as I live my life today, this day? Not tomorrow, you may not have tomorrow, but today. Stand with me please and we'll have prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you that your coming is very, very soon. We look for it. We long for it. Help us, Lord, in the state that we are in. Help us. Help us not to be consumed or conformed, but to be transformed. That our minds would be renewed. That we'd change our thinking. That we'd take a 180 degree turn. Some of us need to do that. That's just called repentance. And isn't it good, Lord? Thank you that your love leads us to that. It's your love that leads us to the repentance. And Lord, help us to press on. We have trials. We have troubles. We have problems. Right now, you have a trial. You have a trouble. You have a problem. You have something that you need to give to God right now. And place it in his hands. And Lord, we just lift those things up to you right now. We dare not ask you to take them, but may we grow stronger and be vigilant and be like a guard and, and do whatever we, you tell us to do in these things. May we not judge. May we light a candle in this darkness. Because, Lord, if we light a candle in a very, 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 very dark room, that candle will dispel the light. May our lives be that candle for our neighbors, for our friends. Even today, Lord, there may be someone that we may need to make a phone call to, make an appointment with, even today, to be reconciled in our family, with our friend, 
You know. And Lord, today we pray for our enemies. We pray for those who have used us and abused us. And Lord, particularly today, I want to pray a blessing on all the children going back to their studies, whether it's school or at home, and I pray for the parents. Lord, I pray your parents would be these watchmen, these guards, over the darkness that would seek to consume them, and they would wait vigilantly till morning. Now here this morning, you may be waiting with no hope because you have never given your life to Jesus Christ and surrendered him to be your personal savior. The Bible says, for as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons and the daughters of God. So Lord, I pray for those here. And if you, you can take this prayer and pray it with me. You can whisper it. You can think about it in your mind. And you pray, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you, Lord. I need you as my Savior. I need you as my uh, Lord, my CEO. And I give my life to you right now. I thank you, Lord, that you came and died on the cross for me. And as much as I can, I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did pray that prayer, I'm opening my Bible. If you did pray that prayer, I pray that you would just uh, get a card and you put it in the basket or give it to somebody or talk to somebody at Grand Center or talk to me or talk to some, one of the other pastors here and tell them about what you've done so that we may help you in your, in your journey. Okay. On the screen. But I'm not looking at the screen. I want to pray this prayer or, the, or pray this scripture, read the scripture, recite it with you, recite it with me as we go. What a, what a scripture. Now to him, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority for all time and now and forever. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572, or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.